0: The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. It's a gripping first-hand account of whistleblowing. It's the new book by Dr. B. Skye, and it's called Slaying the Giant, Uncovering the Things They Like to Hide. I'm really happy to be talking with Dr. Sky right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Doctor, thank you so much for joining me tonight. You're welcome. Now, this book has a lot to say and a really interesting story. What's this all about?
1: This book is a continuation of my first book and uh, what whistleblowers go through in a system that's actually designed to protect them and doesn't. Um, Instead, they make them victims. Hmm.
0: Did it take a lot of courage to write this? You know, there's stuff you're uncovering. There's, you know, maybe some secrets that are getting out there. How difficult was this?
1: Oh, it was definitely frightening, which is why I redacted a lot of the people in it. Mm. I changed, you know, their sex and uh, sometimes just to protect them because they continued to work in this system. So it was quite an obstacle to overcome. And, you know, I really wanted to outline the tedious process of what a whistleblower goes through in the process of preparing for court. And I included my actual testimony and summarized testimonies by others in the book.
0: Now for those listeners out there who aren't familiar with what your situation was, can you just generally describe the the situation that you were in?
1: I was actually an opioid safety champion for the large healthcare system for about 15 years, and it was about my battle to actually save lives of patients that were not using opioids correctly and many of them unfortunately unintentionally overdosed and some died. Hmm. And I actually worked in an environment where politicians often got involved and pressured people in positions of power to give opioids back to patients who were not doing the right things with them just to make them happy. They actually chose patient satisfaction over patient safety. And it was very difficult to address these people in power. I could not disclose anything in the medical records to politicians or even to leaders that weren't actually involved in the patient care. So it was very difficult because of the HIPAA law that prevents us from disclosing any patient information. So I could not defend myself in that environment. It took me actually going to court to state what was going on and then also writing these books to tell people how difficult it is to do the right thing for opioid safety
0: wow what a what a tricky book to write how long did it take you to write it and then get it out
1: on shelves it actually took me a year to write and then the editing process took another eight months because of covid pandemic getting the book to print took an additional ten months so it's really been a long process
0: Do you have any advice for aspiring authors out there, those who haven't been through that process, but they want to get their first book published?
1: I would say just go for it. I know I prayed a lot about what I would write to glorify God and everything, but then I would just say just start writing, and I I really believe everybody has a story to tell.
0: Mm, You're absolutely right. So does your story continue? Do you plan on maybe writing some more, uh, maybe a continuation of this, or, or maybe tackling something else?
1: Yes, I'm actually in the middle of writing my third book. And I'm writing about the earlier days at the large healthcare system—a more positive viewpoint of why I stayed so long. How important the patients are, the population of patients, so deserving of great medical care, and actually how they've included me as their doctor in the community events. I was a part of you know, many community events, public speaking with the people I I served at that time, and it was just so rewarding. Mm.
0: A writing is such a lonely process. You're on your own so much, and it's just you and your paper or you and your computer. Being a whistleblower, I can imagine it's even makes things even lonelier. You're on your own, you know. you're You're doing things that nobody else wants to do or can do. So did you have anybody in your corner, anybody that knew what you were taking on here and could support you and could encourage you during the whole process?
1: Oh, definitely. My husband lived through all of this with me and he supported me fully. I had I never had to worry about being supported and I've got great family support, other Christian family, great church family here in Montana now. So many people supported me along the the road and uh, I'm now, I mean, the Lord led me to this great place I'm working, Deer Lodge Medical Center and the administration here is very supportive and it's just really been a blessing where I've ended up, where the Lord brought me through all this.
0: It's certainly a rewarding process to see your, your work out there and making changes. People are, are reading it and lives are affected. Can you tell me about the feeling that you get whenever you've worked on your book, it's published, and you get that first physical copy, and you open up the box, you pull out the book, and you get it in your hands. What sorts of things run through your head? What are you feeling?
1: Oh, it's, it was thrilling. I was just so thrilled to actually hold the book and read the book in, in the printed form. And I remember I went outside. uh, We have a lovely mountain view, and I went outside and read the book, Mm. and my husband got a picture of me doing that. And you could just (laughs) tell I was deep in thought. I don't know. It's just wonderful.
0: Mm. When you're writing, would you have a routine? A lot of writers, they have a room they like to go to or a chair they like to sit in, maybe some music they like to listen to, or maybe nothing at all, maybe silence. Uh, Do you have anything like that that you need to sort of get into the atmosphere to get your thoughts going?
1: I actually... Sit in a loft area that overlooks the mountains. Mm. So it's a real beautiful view. And I have this desk I've had for years there. And of course, my computer. Often my dogs are all around my feet. (laughs) And it's just really calming. When I look out, I can just calm down and write. Mm. And I think having the companionship of my dogs there too is pretty nice.
0: Well, the name of the book is Slaying the Giant Uncovering the Things They Like to Hide written by Dr. B. Sky and published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere you shop for your books, Google Play, Amazon, iTunes, and down the street at your traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. Well, Doctor, thank you so much again for joining me here tonight. Thank you for having the courage to write this book and to help change lives. Thank you for joining me.
1: You're welcome, Corey.
0: The next book we are talking about here at the Reader House Author Roundtable sets out to reinforce the belief in the existence of the supernatural realm. It's called From the Process to the Product, The Battles and Victories of a Saved African Woman. The author, Esther Cooper, joins me right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Esther, welcome and thank you for being here.
2: You're welcome.
0: What a story you have to tell. That's what you're doing in this book. Can you tell me all about From the Process to the Product?
3: My story actually started when I gave my life to Christ. When I gave my life to Christ, he just took away the depression the anxiety. And that's how my journey started. And he gave me opportunities to go to Bible school. While at the Bible school, I was trying to build my spiritual life. But one day while praying, a poisonous snake was right there at my knee. Hmm. I didn't even know it was there. I tried even touching it and I realized this is a snake and I escaped that. Wow. And then God just kept doing miracles upon miracles. And I survived the civil war in Liberia, where I had a gun was pointed at me and cocked. Wow. I still survived. So my life is just a series of miracles that makes me to believe that Jesus is real.
0: Was there anything in particular then that prompted you to write your story and then tell it to the world?
3: Yes. Yeah, so one of my friends at my job heard my story. And she said, you need to write because there are people going through some things and they feel it's so bad. But if you can write your story of your escape from the civil war, from death and poverty, and to be in the United States, you need to tell this story so that people can be really like encouraged to know that if you made it out of poverty, of death, premature death, they too can survive. So that's what my book is all about, to encourage people going through some things right now, especially the pandemic, mm. to know that because Jesus is real, he can protect you from death. There's nothing he cannot do. And that's the reason for this book.
0: Hmm. Have you ever written before? What's your writing background like?
3: So I wrote a tract before, it was more like a gospel tract about salvation. But this is really my first major book, and I'm looking forward to doing more.
0: Wow, that's fantastic. Congratulations on getting that first book out there. is such a big milestone. How's it feel now that you can look in the mirror and say, wow, I'm a published author now?
3: I really feel great. And mm-hmm. thank you, because if not for Christian Faith Publishing, I wouldn't have been able to make it. And I'm excited that because of you, God first. And because of you, I'm now an author. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Christian Faith Publishing. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you very much.
0: They're fantastic publishers. How long did it take to write this book and then get it published?
3: I used to, I had a lot of manuscripts, but I was like, you know, life kept getting in the way. So it was until 2019 when my friend heard my story and said, what are you doing? You need to write. And at that moment, I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, it's time. So I just got it together and started writing. I started acting because... Guy used my friend at a job to tell me, you need to write. And that's when it was really like, it hit me that like, this is the time. Hmm.
0: Would you say this was an easy thing for you to write, or were there a lot of challenges?
3: Yes, there were a lot of challenges. <laughs> One of them was the TV. I had to literally cut my TV off, take my attendance somewhere else. And as I was writing, especially about the gun being pointed, I mean, during the Civil War, I didn't almost finish the story. I just stopped halfway. Wow. But thanks to Justin, he was like, so what happened next? And I realized that, oh, yes, God really delivered us that night because the echo was, the echo a bunch of soldiers from different African countries. They came to Liberia and they came to our street just when we we're about to be killed. They wanted to really just kill us that night. And that was how I ended the story. At first, I didn't want to finish it. Wow. He said, We need to finish it up. And I realized, yes, I was leaving out the deliverance part, how God used those soldiers to come to our rescue when we're about to be killed. Wow. So, those were the challenges. I was at a point, like mm. not finishing the story, but then I was able to finish the story. <laughs>
0: wow. I'm glad you did. So, I imagine you've learned quite a bit in this whole process. Do you have words of advice now for aspiring authors who want to write their first book as well?
3: Yes, just that. Procrastination will always come your way, but just start. Hmm. Write your book. You could save somebody's life. Write your story. Because we overcome by our testimony according to Revelation 12, 11. That's how you overcome Satan, is to write your story. Let somebody read your story. You could save somebody by your story. So that's my advice to any aspiring author. And remember, Christian faith publishing is there. They will help you every step of the way. It's not difficult. You just need to start.
0: You said you're writing again, looking forward to publishing more books. Now, this next one, do you plan on having it more along the same lines as this one, or are you exploring other themes?
3: Yeah, it's along the same line. I mean, I have so many experiences. Yeah, I'm going to be going deeper into some experiences that I had in Nigeria when I was doing my grad study. You know, it's almost like my Halloween story. I went into a lot of experiences. So I'm going to be bringing that out to let people know that just as God is real, Satan is real. So we need to stay prayed up. That's my next book.
0: Oh, Esther, thank you for using your experiences and your truly significant life to help others, to inspire others, to believe in the existence of God. The name of the book is From the Process to the Product, The Battles and Victories of a Saved African Woman, written by Esther Cooper and published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere you shop for your reading material, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. Esther, thanks again for coming by the show. I had a very nice time chatting with you tonight.
3: Thank you. I really appreciate your time. God
0: bless. We're having fun with language in the next book we're talking about here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. It's called Homonyms, and the author, Diana Beecham, is right here with me now. Diana, thanks for joining me tonight.
4: Thank you very much. Thank you.
0: You're very welcome. It's fantastic to have you here. This book seems really unique and like a lot of fun, too. Homonyms. Can you tell me about it?
4: was working I, I would have a friend that came over from Germany when she was six years old and said she had trouble with bear and I asked her which one and she said all of them and I remember thinking that I had had friends that had all throughout different words that gave them trouble and I just started thinking about there should be a way to get all this together to make it easier on people. Hmm. And so I started writing it down.
0: Did you have a certain target audience that you were writing for?
4: No, really, it was starting out for adults. So anybody learning English as a second language or as smaller children, because a lot of this was in grade school, so smaller, younger children. Hmm.
0: What's your writing background like? Have you written before or been published before?
4: No, no, no. Oh, well, no, no. In high school, we had, I had a little poem that they published in the school paper, but that was it.
0: Hmm. Well, congratulations on getting your first book published. It's quite a milestone in life. So many people say they want to write a book someday and never get around to it, and you've done it now. So how does it feel to know that you're a published author?
4: Oh, it really hasn't really sunk in yet. I'm still giddy about it.
0: (laughs) So do you plan on writing more?
4: Well, yes, but I haven't really decided on what the next book's (laughs) going to be about, but I would like to, yes.
0: Did this take you a long time? About how long were you working on writing it and then getting it published?
4: Oh, well, I'd start on it and then... Something would happen where I would set it down and not be able to get back to it till later. And then moving and everything would be everywhere. So it it took me about 34 years to get it complete and sent it in.
0: Was the process easy or were there challenges along the way of of writing it? And especially the publishing process because there's a lot of hoops you got to jump through.
4: Yeah, there were some problems and, and I would get through it. So they finally said yes to this one. I don't know how many I had sent before, but it it was a few.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Do you have advice now for aspiring authors that want to get their first one out there too?
4: Keep trying. Just keep trying. You know what you want to have go forward, so just keep trying.
0: Hmm.
4: Keep trying.
0: Obviously, you're passionate about language, and often writers are avid readers. Uh, Are you a big reader yourself? Yes, I am. Oh, uh, What kinds of things do you like to read?
4: Biographies, that kind of stuff, and history, that kind of stuff.
0: Would you say that the more you read, then uh, the more confident you feel in writing, maybe the better that you're getting in writing?
4: Yes. Yes. As a matter of fact, I do. Yes, I do.
0: <laughs> now, writing so much can be a lonesome process. It's a lot of fun, but you're by yourself all the time, and it really helps if People in your life know that you're doing this and you have some support and maybe some motivation and encouragement behind you. Did you have people in your life like that?
4: Yes, sir, I did. People would ask me if they could come up like with a word or two and they give me something. And I said, Okay, <laughs> but when you start thinking about these words, you are going to be up all night with Aha, there's another word <laughs> One of my brothers said, Yep, that has happened to him <laughs> <And> so <laughs>
0: Yeah. <laughs> to watch out. It's a rabbit hole that you that's could be going right, down there. That's
4: right. That's <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> the name of the book is Homonyms, written by Diana Beecham, published by Fulton Books. You can find it everywhere that you shop for your books, at Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Well, Diana, thanks again for stopping by the show tonight. I had a really nice time chatting.
4: I did, too. Thank you for having me on.
0: Author Patrick McDonough just pulled up a seat beside me here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Patrick, welcome to the show, and thanks for being here with me. What's up? You got a new children's book out. It's called A Christmas Story for Barry. Can you tell me about it?
5: Yes, it's a Christmas story that uh, my dad wrote about 20 years ago for my nephew. Barry was probably about five or six. Yeah, it's it's a children's story. It's about a lonely little Christmas tree. And about how long were you working on this? I was working on getting it published uh, just in the last year and a half, and so this guy got it got it in
0: print. Have you ever written or published a book before?
5: No, nah, this is strictly a a family between my dad and my nephew and so.
0: Patrick, thank you so much for coming on the show. The name of the book is A Christmas Story for Barry. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing, written by Patrick McDonough. You can find it everywhere that you shop for your books on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and at your traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. Patrick, thanks again for joining me. Had a nice time chatting. Well, have a good afternoon. I'm really excited right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable to be joined by author Tiffany Biddick. She has a new book out called Floppy Feet. Tiffany, thank you so much for being here.
6: Thank you, Corey. I appreciate the invitation.
0: Children's book, Floppy Feet, can you tell me all about it?
6: I can This is a book that is near and dear to my heart because it has such a wonderful message. Floppy Feet is about a little bunny named Wilson that wants to be in the bunny race, but he's very clumsy because of his big floppy feet. While speaking with his mama, he gets the courage to join the race, and in the end of the book, learns to love all of himself, floppy feet, and everything.
0: That is a great message. Yes. Where did the idea for this come from?
6: Honestly my sister-in-law amanda told me she had this really great idea about a bunny who wants to be on the race and i asked her if i could turn it into a book she gave me her blessing and we have floppy feet now she loved the way it turned out
0: is there anything special about the name wilson
6: honestly no (laughs) it just came to me i liked and if you get the privilege to read the book all the names are kind of old school and I just liked that old school small town feel and I thought Wilson fit perfectly.
0: Oh, I love it too. It's a great feel. Thank you. So what's your writing background look like? Have have you written before? Is this your first book?
6: This is my first published piece. This has honestly been a dream of mine for a very long time. I believe mm. I started writing when I was 10. I'm a bit older than 10 now. So this is something that I've been working on for a long time, but I'm hoping that it won't be my only published
0: piece. Oh, that'd be wonderful. Congratulations on getting the first one out there. It's such a huge milestone, like you were saying. How did it feel when you got that first book in your hands?
6: Oh, I don't even know if I can describe it. (laughs) My heart was soaring. My mind was going a thousand miles a minute. I was thrilled and ecstatic that something that I wrote is going to be out there in the world for people to enjoy and to share with their families.
0: You said you were hoping that you could get more out there. Do you have anything in mind or are you still kind of working on ideas?
6: I am working on a second book. I hope that it receives just as much attention and love as Floppy Feet has.
0: Now, Something that's really unique about children's books is how important the illustrations are. They're a huge part of the story. You have to tell your story that you've written with words visually. Uh, What was that process like? Was it an easy one? How'd you go about it?
6: Honestly, it was a little more difficult than I anticipated, but the illustrator with Fulton Books, he did a great job. You know, we had to go back and forth a few times But I'll keep that difficulty in mind for the second book so that it may be a little easier transition.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's always rough that very first time. And I'm sure you've learned a lot along the way. (laughs) Do you have any like words of wisdom that you could offer to aspiring authors looking to get that first one out there too?
6: Yes. Don't give up. Even if you have to submit your work a hundred times, don't give up because that exhilarating feeling of knowing your book is going to be published honestly, is, is amazing. And I wish everybody could experience it. Just find the courage to put yourself out there and don't give up and love yourself enough to give yourself that
2: courage.
0: Did you have anybody else in your life who was sort of supporting you along the way? I mean, this is a big thing, a big endeavor. It takes <laughs> up so much time and so much energy. Did you have the support behind you that you needed?
6: Yes. My family has been very supportive. I have three amazing children that have listened to my book over and over again and went over the illustrations with me. And honestly, I'm a firm believer in God, and I believe he's been my biggest support through all of this.
0: Hmm. You're also talking about how writing's been a lifelong dream of yours, and often side by side with that is reading. Have Have you been a reading fan your whole life too?
6: Yes, I have. I love reading. I go to bed every night with a book, and I think reading is important for everybody. It's just a beautiful escape and a beautiful journey.
0: Now, When you're writing, a lot of authors like to sort of set themselves in the right atmosphere, the right environment. You know, Sometimes it's the right room, the right music maybe. Did you have something like that that you kind of like to get into before you write or were you just like, wherever the inspiration hits, that's where I write?
6: Wherever the inspiration hits. Wilson, I actually, it took me about 20 minutes to write it and it just came to me while I was in the shower. So as soon as I got out, I typed it out as quickly as I could while the words were still in my mind. But I can be at work, typing on the computer. I can be at home doing the dishes in my car, wherever inspiration hits. I find a place to pull over and write the words down
0: quickly. Hmm. A lot of writers journal as well. Have you been journaling at all?
6: Yes, I do have a notebook that I carry with me and there's several ideas in there or just little, little hooks or a couple paragraphs to a book that I would like. So there's a lot of ideas rolling around in my head.
0: Well, we're looking forward to seeing more of your books out there, Tiffany. The name of the book is Floppy Feet, written by Tiffany Biddick, published by Fulton Books. You can find it everywhere that you get your reading material on Amazon, on Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and down the street at your local bookshop, too. Well, Tiffany, thanks again for joining me tonight. This is such a wonderful book, and I really enjoyed talking with you.
6: Thank you so much, Corey. I appreciate it.
0: I'm really happy to welcome back to the show author D.L. Crager. D.L., thanks again for joining me here.
5: Corey, thank you. Appreciate it very much.
0: It's great to have you back. And last time we talked, we talked about how your stories are filled with excitement, adventure, and they're a mix of genres in a way, but everything has a biblical worldview. Now you have a new one out, and congratulations on that. It's called Journey of the Hidden. What's this one all about? Well, this is
5: uh, definitely a a different book than my first one, Guarding the Past. Journey of the Hidden starts uh, with a uh, small tribe that's hidden in the Amazon. Nobody really knows that they exist. And most of the tribe members actually think they're the only ones that kind of exist, except for the lead chief a boy ready to become a man, and in order to become a man, he's got to go on his manhood journey and leave the tribe for a year and to get some experience and to see if he can survive and live on his own. And when he returns a year later, he is uh, becomes a man within the tribe. A lot of stuff comes with that. But the chief, his name is Chief Akuta, he actually gives the lead character Toka He gives him three things to bring back. There's items that he needs to bring back to the tribe because the chief has foreseen that being so isolated and away from other people that their tribe is actually dying off. And he's thinking and trying to figure this out and comes to the conclusion that he thinks that that they're dying off because they have no purpose in life except for to sleep, breathe, eat, hunt, and repeat and there's nothing to inspire them to live on, and he concludes that there's got to be more, and comes to the conclusion that there's got to be a god out there, and he's heard through the past through other chiefs that there are gods out there in the world. And so he gives this young Toka, this young boy named Toka, he gives him, a, gives him some duties that he's got to bring back three things. but one one is to bring back a god, which they have no concept what a god is. And so through the experiences and stuff, going through the jungle and going to the endless water, he's got to do this trek going to the ocean and back. He runs into some people and runs into actually a a missionary and his daughter that was uh, it's his age, the age of Toka. Soon the dad, the missionary, dies of malaria and leaves the girl, her name's Shauna, in Toka's hands because. He's the only one around. And so this is another burden now that he's got to bring back three things for the chief, and now he's got to take care of this foreign girl that is from a completely different place. Hmm. It's just a lot of twists and turns and adventure, mind-boggling things that uh, you're just scratching your head as a, wow, I, I, I can't believe what's in this story. But it gets you to thinking of what is it like when people have no clue what a god is? Hmm and then all of a sudden trying to figure it out. So this missionary daughter, her name is Shauna, she kind of brings delight to Toka, and then finally through her, he brings back to the tribe a God. There's a lot of climaxes in the story, twists and turns and stuff like that. So it's a lot of fun, a lot of fun.
0: I love the way that you're addressing a question that a lot of Christians, I think, struggle with, and that's, you know, how would an isolated people, people who have no contact with the outside world, how would they know that god exists if there's nobody there from the outside to tell them about god and i think this is a really interesting way of confronting that question
5: yeah absolutely i i kind of did my research i talked to a lot of different missionaries around the world that we know and how do those indigenous people think how do you bring god to life to them you know mm. i intertwine you know like i said a lot of biblical truth through it all you get to thinking how and then you start thinking well, in the if you want to call it civilized world where we have churches at every corner, you start thinking, well, do actually people here even know who God is? Mm. You know, so,
0: great question. Yeah, yeah. Was there anything in particular that inspired the the exotic Amazonian setting?
5: No, it's just you know, it's growing up. I've always had this thing of adventure, and the Amazon has always been on my mind and. Then you go up into Central America and you, you know, you go into the Aztecs and the Mayans. And I actually kind of blend that, you know, trying to, the Aztecs and Mayans are how they, this tribe is actually a descendant of these tribes that seem to have disappeared, you know, long time ago. And they actually are this little tiny tribe now in the middle of nowhere hiding because it all started as they fled, these little group of people fled their original people because the only gods that they knew were ones that wanted to sacrifice them, you know, mm. and cut their hearts out, mm. you know, so that's actually how this whole story started. It's like, you know, trying
0: to put together these, these cultures that actually disappeared. And then where are they now? Mm. Well, D.L., this book just hit shelves. I imagine you're still kind of catching your breath and, and uh, going with it at this point. But do you have plans for more? Absolutely. My third book actually is being worked on right now. It's in its
5: editing stage. It's uh, a continuation of my first book, Guarding the Past. Hmm. Uh, it's titled Guarding the Past in a Warrior's Quiver. And that should be out sometime in the middle of the summer. And then after that, I've already had two books waiting on my desk, ready to give the publisher once we get past certain stages. So, yeah, I'm working on another book right now that is actually finish up the trilogy of Guarding the Past of the first
0: series. And then I'll start working on the the second book for uh, Journey of the Hidden. So I'm staying busy. That's wonderful. I can't wait to see what comes out next. The name of this book is Journey of the Hidden, written by D.L. Krager, published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere you shop for your books, on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, down the street at your local bookshop as well. D.L., thanks again for joining me. It was great having you back, and let's do this again for the next one. Corey, thank you so much. I appreciate it.
5: I had a great time. Thank you.
0: Right now, here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, I am joined by author Johanna Kona. Johanna, thank you so much for joining me here tonight.
7: Oh, you're welcome. It's a pleasure.
0: You've got a new children's book out right now. It's called Oliver and Friends, Volume 1, A Series of Short Stories Teaching Children Biblical Principles. Could you tell me all about it?
7: Well, I was thinking about, I've been a teacher all my life, and I was thinking about biblical principles that children don't know, but they haven't been exposed to. And the first one I thought about was tithing. Hmm. So that started with the first story, which is teaching children how to tithe. And then from there, it moved into stories about goodness and kindness and honesty and living for God. all things that children can learn how to have lives that have great value and are pleasing to God.
0: These all sound like really great principles that children need to hear. Why do you think they don't hear these things as much as other principles in the Bible?
7: Well, for one thing, the books are practical. so. In my teaching career, one of the things that I discovered was unless you make things practical, that things that my students could take to their everyday life, it doesn't mean anything. Hmm. And I wanted to make the books written in such a way that children can bring these values, not just into their lives, but into their families. And today with social media and gaming and all the other things that go on, That's not practical. That's just an experience that fills up time. Mm. And I wanted something that rooted deeply into their hearts so that they could be an example, not just to the adults in their life, but also to other children.
0: Mm. How wonderful. Have you uh, written before? What does your writing background look like?
7: Well, I'm an English teacher, for one thing.
0: Well, I, I imagine you've <laughs> written a lot, then.
7: <laughs> well, I did publish articles in um, a periodical called Spirituality and Physicality. That magazine is out of print. And I have published some poetry, and I did some work for uh, my school uh, district, where I worked on curriculum for students in English and also for some teachers. So I've had experience in writing. And it's just enough to make other people's lives easy and practical. Mm.
0: Children's book, a big part of them is the illustrations, oftentimes. They're a really yeah. important part. You've got to tell the story visually. Uh, how was that process like for you, getting the illustrations to line up with your overall vision?
7: The illustrator is Kim Merritt, and she's very good at what she does. I send her the manuscript, and then she would pick out areas where she thought the visual image would fit, and then she would send it to me, and I would approve or disapprove. However, I approved of mostly everything. <laughs> and I was really struck by the color mm. and the vibrance of the work that she did. So I was very happy with that.
0: Uh, publishing a book is a pretty big process. There's a lot of work involved. Do you have advice now for aspiring authors that want to go through that whole publishing thing for the first time?
7: Well, what I would say is don't give up. Mm. There were a few times where I was just ready to give it all up, and my husband kept saying, no, don't do that. It's going to work out, because it can be very strenuous. But if you keep persevering when you finally see the work finished, and when you know that it's going to affect other people's lives, go through all the processes. Don't give up editing. Don't give up submitting. Just stay with it, and it'll come true.
0: Mm, Great advice. Now, looking at Oliver and Friends, uh, how young of children do you think would would this book be for?
7: Well, Oliver is nine, just going on ten. But I think it can be for younger children and even for children who are going into their teenage years. The thing about Oliver and Friends is that even though it's a children's book, I actually wrote it for the adults who read the books to children. Hmm. Because sometimes as adults, our hearts get tarnished. We get a little dusty inside, and I was hoping also that when grandparents or aunts or uncles and parents read these to children, they would also be influenced and affected by the idea that maybe I should turn away from this sin, or maybe I should read my scriptures a little bit more, maybe I should tie a little bit more so that their lives would be ignited as well.
0: Now, of course, this is Oliver and Friends Volume 1. Uh, How far into Volume 2 are you right now?
7: Well, I have about 13 stories lined up. Oh, wow. (laughs) We're waiting to see how Volume 1 does, and then we'll start on Volume 2 as soon as we can.
0: Well, I wish you luck on that. We are looking forward to seeing more of these out in stores. The book's called Oliver and Friends Volume 1, a series of short stories teaching children biblical principles. It's written by Joanna Kona and published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere that you shop for your reading material, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. Joanna, thank you again for joining me here tonight. I had a really nice time talking with you.
7: And I did too. Thank you very much, Corey.
0: Right now, here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, I am joined by author Ashlyn Kozin. Ashlyn, thank you so much for being here with me tonight.
2: Thank you for having me. This is very exciting.
0: It's very exciting for me, too. I'm excited to be chatting with you. You've got a new book out right now. It's called Auntie's Little Girl. Can you tell me about it?
2: Well, it's a children's book based on a poem I wrote for my niece. I think it was about, let's see, she was born April of 2019, and I wrote it in August of 2019. So four months after she was born, I had only gotten to see her in person once in that time period, and I really missed her. So I wrote the poem and then decided to turn it into a children's book so she could always have it with her and be reminded that I was always thinking of her.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. Have you ever published a book before?
2: No, this would be my first one, although I've had contracts for books through Christian Faith Publishing since I was um, 16 is when they gave me my first contract.
0: So are you working on more projects now? Do you plan on publishing more books after this?
2: Yes, I am currently working on reviewing an edit they sent me a while ago as we speak. That's what I was doing when you called me.
0: Are they poetry as well? Do you do prose? Do you explore other things? What kinds of other things are you writing?
2: Well, this second book is in 2018, my best friend Carter Stuckey went on a two-year mission in Canada to serve the Lord. And this book is a compilation of all of the emails and letters that we exchanged throughout those two years.
0: wow. Did you have a certain age range of children in mind? Now, you wrote this, of course, you said for your niece, but when it comes to the book, what age of children do you think would get the most out of it?
2: I want to say anywhere from infant to, like, possibly teenager, but let's go 10 years old. That
0: Sounds good. Do you have advice now for aspiring authors? You know, this is your first book, and I'm sure that there's a lot that you learn going through what it takes to get it out there to readers do you have advice now for other authors
2: my advice to them would be don't listen to what anybody else says if publishing a book is your dream and you are bullheaded and determined like me (laughs) nothing can really stop you from achieving that even physical disability
0: An important part of children's books is the illustrations. How was that process when it came to taking your vision and what you've written, then getting it done so that they can see it?
2: When the company even sending me the little storyboard sketches, I started crying because um, Hmm. I explained what I wanted for each scene. And the first thing they do is send me one colored and then the rest is storyboard. And even getting those, I started crying because I just could picture the colored illustrations in my mind. Mm. And when I finally got the colored illustrations, like they were exactly how I pictured everything.
0: Wow. So nice to hear that all this hard work and all the different moving pieces finally come together to something beautiful and something that was really part of your vision the whole time along.
2: Yeah, <laughs> the waiting between emails, because with every new step, the illustrators and page designers have up to a month to get the items back to my publishers so she can email them to me. Hmm. And the waiting was the hardest part because I'm not, what you say, the most patient person in the universe, (laughs) especially when exciting things are happening. I
0: think a lot of us are that way. And I hear that from a lot of authors that another part of becoming an author and publishing your book is you have to have patience. You're going to be doing a lot of waiting. There's going to be some back and forth and a lot of repetitive things. But you got to stick it out. You got to take a deep breath and just go with it. Yep. Absolutely. Well, Ashlyn, thank you so much for joining me here again on the show. The name of Ashlyn's book is Auntie's Little Girl, written by Ashlyn Cozen, published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere that you shop for your reading material, on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes, and at your traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. Ashlyn, again, it's been so nice talking with you tonight. Thanks again for being here with me.
2: Thanks again for having me, and I look forward to talking to you with this next book.
0: Right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, I'm speaking with author Jason Elmore. Jason, thank you so much for being here with me tonight.
8: Hey, Corey, thanks for having me here. I appreciate it.
0: I appreciate you being here as well. You got a new book out now. It's called The Field. Uh, What's this one all about?
8: Well, this is my first book, and it is kind of my take on what I would call my philosophical slash religious viewpoint. Uh, It came about because I've got three different kids of different ages, and they are in that age where they're asking questions about religion, and we are Christians, but at the same time, you know, in our world today, kids are inundated by, especially through media and television and everything else lots of other ideas. And so the idea of the book is to give my kids, at least as with well, the initial desire was, to give them a way to think about things.
0: Is this a book written specifically for kids or is this for adults so they can teach?
8: No, I'd say it's, it's, it's for anybody. It's, it's definitely geared more toward probably adults. All my kids are, I have a, C, or a sophomore in college, a 14 and a 15 year old, but they're avid readers, hmm. all of them. And they read at pretty, you know pretty high level. So It's something my kids can read, but it's something for everybody.
0: Hmm. You said this was your first book, and congratulations on that. That's a huge milestone. Is this uh, something you've wanted to do your whole life, or is this something that just sort of sprang up?
8: No. I started writing a few years ago. I'm a judge in northern Michigan, and I've been a practicing attorney for 22 years. Hmm. And about nine years ago, I was deployed to the Middle East as a uh, JAG officer in the United States Army. And when I was there, my oldest kid was 14. And if you've ever had a teenager, every conversation involves them uttering only four or five words, which are, (laughs) yep, uh uh-huh, nope, and okay. (laughs) And so I started writing a little bit as a way to communicate and tell short stories with my son. Hmm. And so that's what I started doing. I'd write short stories. And then even while I was deployed, I started getting a few of my short stories published in our local newspaper. Then I started writing a little bit. I'm a runner, and everybody in my family is outdoorsy. And so I also started writing a little, writing a little bit with Michigan Runner, writing short stories. And so from there, I started writing little short stories or ideas about meeting God and talking to God about religion, about Christ and how God reveals himself in ways. And sure enough, I turned around and I had enough pages to put it all together into a book. And so that's basically how it came about. I just thought it sounded like a good idea and a way to communicate with kids or at least my kids, and a way to put down my ideas, and maybe in a way that other people might find benefit from it as well.
0: That's a fantastic idea. Was this easy for you to put together, especially when it came to putting it in book format and jumping through all those hoops? What kind of a process was that for you?
8: Well, first of all, myself taking my notes and things and putting it into a book format. It started out, I would write it, and I apologize to my family and my pastor. I would write it a little bit on my iPhone with listening to the sermons. I'd take little (laughs) things they would say. It would look like I was ignoring the pastor, but I was actually (laughs) taking the things he was saying and and making little questions and coming up with ideas or Hmm. counter arguments. And then from there, I developed into the book. And the book process itself was really pretty easy. I used, as you probably know, Christian Faith Publishing. They did a great job helping me go through, do some edits, how to put into a book format, you know, coming up with their cover design. I also have a friend of mine who is a, actually, he's a convicted felon, and he's learned his lesson, and he's very involved in our local community, and he's an artist. Mm. So then I got him to do the cover design. I also have my daughter who's very interested in photography, and so she took the back page photographs. So putting it together, I tried to make it a thing that my kids and I got involved in, I also got somebody locally involved to do, as again, the cover design. But then Christian Faith Publishing did a great job in helping me go from my laptop to something I could hold in my hands and share with other people.
0: Hmm. What are the chances of getting more books out there in the future?
8: Well, it's interesting. I actually have submitted, I have a, a, a secretary of mine who's on the side of, or actually a former secretary. She's proofreading a second book. And my second one is more of a kid's book. Not more of, it. it's definitely a kid's book. and I. Actually, I've just reached out to local high school arts teachers. Hmm. We have in Cadillac, Michigan, here, which is where I live, a small town, we have a, a park, and in the park, we have an old locomotive, oh. a, a steam engine. In Michigan, over 150 years ago, a gentleman named Ephraim Shea developed this locomotive that they would use to haul lumber. And so we have one of these, and it's kind of a historic piece in Cadillac. And occasionally, there are fundraisers to help keep it up to date. And so I wrote a book, and it's about trick-or-treating kids the train comes to life it takes the kids through the cemetery it's not scary of course mm-hmm. and there's a little bit of a climax that happens in the book and so right now the next one that i'm working on i'm trying to get kids to help illustrate it because i want it to be an opportunity for kids to hone their art skills be involved in something and then hopefully take any profits i make and then donate all those back to the community to help keep the Shay restored and in a condition that everybody in the community can be a part of it. So that's the next one.
0: Oh, what an important cause. And I I really appreciate your heart for reaching out and helping people and wanting to teach such important things to, to people that they might not get otherwise. Now, right now, can you give some help to maybe some aspiring authors, maybe a little bit of advice for people that want to get their first book out there as well?
8: Find the passion and believe in yourself. I never read at all throughout high school, and I'm 50 years old. And I didn't really enjoy reading for myself. I developed that over time, but still didn't really think I could ever write a book. It was really that blessing of being deployed and the blessed opportunity that I saw and being able to find a way to talk to my, especially my teenager. And so I tell people, keep their eye open, have faith in yourself, believe in yourself. And if you have that passion or drive, I think you generally have it for a reason and
0: it's worth pursuing. And Jason, Thank you so much for getting your story out there, looking to help others. The name of the book is The Field, written by Jason Elmore and again published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere that you shop for your reading material. You can get it on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes, and down the street at your local bookshop, too. Jason, thanks again for being here. I had a wonderful time chatting with you and finding out about The Field. Hey, thanks, LeCorn. I appreciate your time. and, And thank you to those who listen. Have a good day.